You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Ironman. I'm not doing this. I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. So come to the site. Check out all we have there for you leading into Week 14. We've got my Stardom Sidem column, The Decider, up, looking at the rankings, as well as the best and worst matchups of the week. That's what we do here in the middle of the week, and we're going to continue to do that. We still have Week 14, 15, 16, 17, all the way through 18 to do this here for you. Then we'll... Keep it going for the playoffs as well, but critical week 14 here as we have an extra week in the fantasy football season. A lot of you will be turning to the playoffs there in week 15, some leagues pushing that to week 16 there, depending on the size of your league, but regardless, a highly critical week here for your fantasy football teams and production in season long, so we'll get into all that here For the first half of games, we have another 14 games on the slate, so we'll cover seven, again, starting with Pittsburgh and Minnesota on Thursday night and getting a little bit into the 1 p.m. Eastern Time window there on Sunday. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available to you on all platforms. Our title sponsor today is On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. It's the only place to score once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. All right, let's uh, dive right into the Steelers-Vikings game here. and I broke it down at uh, Sporting News. You can check it out uh, later in the day. Steelers-Vikings, the Vikings are surprisingly to me three-point favorites in this game. The momentum is all seemingly with the Steelers in this one as well as the health of the players. We'll get into that. 43.5, so not expecting a lot of scoring in this one, but I think there's a chance it could go over. I have it pretty close here. I like actually the Steelers to win the game here outright, so... And with the three-point spread, you're just basically dealing with home field advantage here on a short week. So let's look at Pittsburgh. Let's start with them. Ben Roethlisberger's played really well here of late. He's had three multiple touchdown games in his past four. So forget about what was there early in the season. I think there's a bit of settling into this offense by Roethlisberger. Remember early it was Matt Canada. Did he really fit in this offense? But now they're settling in. They've found their guys, which is important. Deontay Johnson has really emerged as a number one wide receiver for them. He's been a wide receiver, too, in fantasy. But last week, he exploded with a couple touchdowns against the Ravens, making some big plays downfield. Chase Claypool had some opportunities didn't come through. He's really struggled here. And what's really been surprising is the fact that the Steelers don't design ways to get him going in the red zone, and part of it is that Pat Freermuth has been a force there, and Najee Harris. They've had somebody else being able to finish in the red zone, but I think it's a chance for Chase Claypool to make some big plays. We know between Patrick Peterson and Bashad Breland, the Vikings have not been very good at all in the back end. Last week, they made the Lions pedestrian wide receiver core look like Hall of Famers all the way down to the end. We also know they're pretty shaky in the middle there with Cameron Dantzler, so... If they move around Johnson and Claypool, both of these guys should be highly effective in this game. So I love Johnson. I think he's a wide receiver one again this week. 
Claypool has been struggling to be wide receiver three. I think he at least gets there, has some wide receiver two upside, should he get into the end zone in this one, which has not been the case. He's only had one score, so well overdue for that, well overdue for a big play touchdown here. I mean, he's averaging more than 16 yards per reception, so it's going to come at some point, and this is a good game because of his speed, size, can really maybe burn things, and the great thing about this game when we're looking for passing game numbers it's in a controlled environment, so no wind elements to worry about here and all that. Roethlisberger can push the ball downfield. I know his arm has been shot, and it's not the same, but there are some chances here to get Claypool going, and we saw some nice uh, long plays to Johnson last week, so encouraging signs from the Steelers' passing game. So your player principles in that. I like Ben Roethlisberger as a sneaky back-end top 12 to 15 QB this week. Look at Johnson, Claypool, love them. also like Pat Freermuth on paper. The Vikings have been pretty good against the tight end, but did allow a red zone score there, short one, to TJ Hawkinson of the Lions last week. So really feeling Freermuth to keep it going here. It was a little bit disappointing last week. Relied on the two-point conversion for his points, but you'll get some more opportunities here, I think. So chance for this game to be a much higher scoring than we think, or at least on that line where the Steelers have some success here. So... I think Najee Harris puts together a good game here. I think he's RB2 for sure. RB1 is a little bit tough when he's not scoring consistently, but he'll get enough touches here, but he'll mainly do it maybe more through the passing game, even though uh, this is a pretty good matchup for the running game. I think you're looking for a good 100 yards from scrimmage from Harris, but again, the touchdown a little bit more volatile for him again. Much better matchups here across the board for the receivers, but everyone start him if you got him for the Steelers, and Look, if Johnson and Claypool and Harris can all produce in the passing game and Freermuth can be a factor, that adds up to Roethlisberger putting up some good numbers, and I think that happens here. Now, the Steelers' defense, he may be on the fence, but T.J. Watt's back. He looks pretty good. Minka Fitzpatrick is making plays again. This team is going to heat up here with the pressure on the other teams and the back end. Kirk Cousins is not a good primetime quarterback, especially in bigger-name matchups here. So watch out. And Christian Darrisaw, their fine rookie Left tackle, the first rounder from Virginia Tech, is going to miss another game here, so that helps as well. And uh, Adam Thielen not going to be playing for the Vikings. So Steelers defense, Chris Boswell, start him if you've got him, basically, with the Steelers. Uh, within reason, we're not going to extend to James Washington or any of their complimentary backs in this game. Now, the Vikings, we mentioned Adam Thielen, high ankle sprain against the Lions. It was a bummer. He had to exit the game early. But what happened there was K.J. Osborne stepped up. He actually put up some wide receiver two numbers with a touchdown in that game. So Osborne is going to seamlessly be the guy opposite Justin Jefferson. The secondary for the Steelers has Joe Hayden, but he's been banged up and hurt. They're better inside, so you have Minka Fitzpatrick there. So it might have been tough for Thielen anyway, but that's also going to be making it tough on Tyler Conklin at tight end. The Steelers don't give up much to that position at all. So it's going to be a Justin Jefferson and... K.J. Osborne game. Jefferson, they'll do their best. Bracket coverage, try to take him out of the game, but he's just too good. He's always a wide receiver one to me. Osborne has wide receiver three value. There, uh, Alexander Madison, RB1 value. Think what you'll see. Vikings try to run the ball often here on the Steelers. Steelers run defense, we know, is a way to attack them, avoid T.J. Watt in that pass rush. So, Madison, again, will get a big workload. Dalvin Cook did get in some limited practice, but all reports say he's going to miss one more game. He's getting closer to a return here, but shoulder injury is a tough thing to come back from. 
the Vikings uh, are not hurting necessarily at that spot with Madison producing. So that's going to also be making them be more careful because that's not why they're losing games. It's because they're not finishing games here pretty well. So again, Madison Jefferson, uh, yeah, two guys that uh, kind of sound like presidents, and Osborne, who sounds like a Spider-Man villain here. So those are three guys. But the guy you do not like in this game, even though I told you about Jefferson and Osborne, I think you can do much better. He's going to finish outside of uh, the top 12 to me this week is uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is going to have some turnovers. He's going to be pressured into mistakes. So he'll get a few big plays, but maybe get to the two touchdown passes. But again, the low-scoring nature of this game... I like Roethlisberger a lot more against his Vikings pass defense than the other way around here. Again, Thielen is the guy for Cousins. He still was able to put up the numbers with Osborne and Jefferson last week, but it was a grind. It was a struggle. And again, primetime Kirk Cousins always disappoints here. So you should find some better options this week, hopefully on your team. If you've been kind of playing Cousins in a platoon situation, your other guy probably is in a better spot this week, but just outside the top 12 for me is Cousins, and I'm not going to play the Vikings defense. I mean, last week, I had seen enough. They didn't play well against the Lions. That was just a big disappointment. I know it's home, emotional primetime bump and all that, but the Vikings are just not good. They just don't have enough players there. They're good at rushing the passer, that's about it, but everything else is a mess, and the Steelers, I think, will be effective passing where Roethlisberger won't turn over the ball or be dropped much in this game. All right, the next game we'll talk about here in the early windows, uh, Raiders-Chiefs. So we're getting a pretty big game that we'll talk about here on Sunday. It just goes back to ordinary time, <laughs> so no primetime appearance there. But let's look at this game. Nine and a half point favorites the Chiefs are at home. So the Raiders are really fading here pretty badly. They lost to Washington it was a tough one as the Washington football team won the last minute. The Chiefs just uh, kind of rolled against the Broncos there. So 48.5 is the over-under. Let's quickly go to the Raiders. I'm not going to go with Derek Carr. I mean, this has just been ugly. Darren Waller probably going to miss another game. We'll watch that. But if Waller misses, I think you look at Foster Moreau more favorably here. And Hunter Renfro. It's going to be Moreau and Renfro, Renfro and Moreau. Those are probably going to be the guys. Josh Jacobs has been pretty solid here. That's the other thing about the Raiders. They've been more run-heavy with Jacobs, and he's producing. There's no Kenny Drake anymore. He broke his ankle there, so he's out for the season. Jalen Richard is a blip on the radar. So this is going to be a heavy Josh Jacobs usage game. That's also going to hurt Carr's passing numbers downfield. And if it's no Waller, Moreau, and Renfro can only give him limited results here. So really, we're not seeing anyone else involved enough, including uh, that mix of Brian Edwards and Zay Jones and Deshaun Jackson, not enough there. The Chiefs defense playing extremely well. Really uh, put a number on Teddy Bridgewater last week and those weapons. So, again, we did see, however, the Chiefs pretty vulnerable against versatile backs. So Josh Jacobs is the best Raiders play. He's an RB1 this week. Renfro comes in to me as a wide receiver, too. And Moreau as a back-end tight end one should Waller miss the game. He'll, he should see a few more targets of this week. Not going to play the Raiders defense. No, not on the road at Arrowhead. Let's look at uh, the Chiefs and their situation here. Look, I think it's going to be a get-well game for Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey like it was the first time against the Raiders. It was very quiet against the Broncos, but here I think the Chiefs will just demolish the Raiders. They want to keep putting distance in this division. It's a big spread, big number in their favor here. So I don't think the Raiders can cover Tyreek Hill. They've got Casey Hayward and, and some guys who have done okay, but they also can't cover the tight end we saw last week against Logan Thomas before he got hurt. Kelsey will smash it. 
Hill will smash it. Clyde Edwards Hilaire should have a better big game here. I think Damian or Daryl Williams can have a sneaky game as well in a flex uh, playing with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think the Chiefs are going to be in complete control in this one. So I do like it, and the Raiders can put up some garbage there with Moreau and Renfro with a little bit of Jacobs early production uh, with a good chance for a touchdown in this game. So. If Jacobs plays well, it's really hard for Carr to also play well. The Raiders are going back to old-school run tendencies here. I do also like the Chiefs' defense here coming on strong. Daniel Sorensen with that big touchdown off the bench last week against Teddy Bridgewater. So Chiefs are getting after it, getting sacks, getting takeaways again. This is the Chiefs' defense that we've seen go to overdrive here down the stretch in several previous seasons here with Andy Reid. All right, those are two games here on the schedule. We spent a lot of time on those, but a lot of marquee action there in these games. So we will get into some other games that are not going to give you as much fantasy football return here in week number 14. They're not all games are not created equal. That's why we break down all the matchups for you. Before we get into our next segment and a couple other games here, I'm going to tell you more about... On location, Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium is less than 100 days away, and On Location, the official hospitality partner in the NFL, is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star L.A. hotels, and food by the great chef Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash sb 56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's on location exp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Bet Online has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues, the march to the playoffs, and we're already here in the playoffs for college football, the bowl games around the corner. NFL is marching there as well. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. All right, uh, thanks again for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We're free and available to you on all platforms. We mentioned some lower-scoring games on the horizon. Let's go to the Saints-Jets game, shall we? We drop, actually, both of these games we're going to talk about in this segment. 43.5 is the over-under. The Saints are 5.5-point road favorites. I actually kind of like the Jets to win this game. Just kind of a grindy, attrition game, Taysom Hill on the road. Looks like Alvin Kamara could return. We're not 100% sure from the knee injury. We'll have to see the practice development throughout the week here. But you figure with a little extra time, that should help Kamara get on the field. If Kamara's in, this is the best ticket for the Saints to win this game and rebound from that Cowboys disaster there on Thursday Night Football last week. So Taysom Hill looks like he'll get the start. Taysom Hill's a back-end QB1, whatever he plays, because of the rushing upside. That's what we're a little bit concerned about Kamara. Will they be careful with him, with Mark Ingram and Hill and the running and all that, even he comes back? So we want to get some indications that it's going to be the real Kamara, not just limited Kamara get in there as a change of pace to Ingram and complimenting Hill. We want Kamara in there, but the matchup is very good. The Jets allow the most fantasy points to running back, so if Ingram's in there, it's going to be a little tougher. Ingram disappointed last week. 
it's a little bit easier to take him out of the game because he's not as explosive. And the Jets do have a decent front. They've been just really disappointing against the run here this season. Robert Sala has been uh, kind of tearing his hair out looking at that. But we also know that the Saints do not present much of a threat in the passing game. And the Jets have a decent secondary and can get after the quarterback a little bit. We'll see about the Saints' offensive line. Do they get Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramzik back? So a lot of things are in play that are, that are variables. But let's keep it simple. We like Kamara. More if he starts. I think Ingram is by default a starter. Should he play again? But he drops down to more RB2 for me, while Kamara's could be smashing RB1, assuming he's Kamara. Hill, with his running against the Jets, makes him a QB1. That's about it. We're not going anywhere with the wide receivers. I just don't want to do this. Deontay Harris uh, still on uh, the off-field situation here. Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith, is it going to be little Jordan Humphrey again? I'm just tired of this. I just don't want to invest in the Saints wide receiver core in a critical week, especially when the Jets, the Jets' strength is the secondary and rush, and their big weakness is definitely the running game. So Hill runs to points, Kamara runs to points, Ingram runs to points. That's about it. You can also play the Saints' defense there this week with Zach Wilson. They've said always a good candidate to mess things up here, but be wary. It's on the road. The Saints don't play as well outdoors here, typically. They did lose, by the way, at home to the Giants in a game, so maybe it's a double New York thing that happens here this season, so keep that in mind. With Zach Wilson, his best targets are going to be Elijah Moore. He's going to get it done again. I don't care about Marshawn Lattimore being on the other side at this point. Elijah Moore's on fire. He's gotten done with four different quarterbacks here for the Jets. Really, so doesn't he's quarterback proof, he's matchup proof, they can move around, he's just a unique rookie talent here. So he gets it done. Corey Davis is on the shelf for good here, so that bumps up Jamison Crowder, who they can use in the slot and also scheme open along with Moore. So Wilson's gonna feel very comfortable throwing to Moore and Crowder, I think, all over the field. So Crowder I think has sneaky wide receiver three flex value in deeper leagues. Moore is in your lineup every week as a wide receiver one two borderline. He's just been that good as a rookie. Now this backfield, we're going to avoid it. We're not going to go with Tevin Coleman or Ty Johnson. The Saints have always been pretty good against the run. It's a pretty simple game. We told you it would break down here, and that's how it is here. The Jets Saints don't expect a lot, and expect uh, more from the Jets passing game, more from the Saints running game. That's how you kind of look at this game. Actually, the Jets are a sneaky play also defensively because, again, Taysom Hill didn't look very good passing the ball, and if they have to make him put it up a little bit, watch out for that. And I don't think the Saints are just going to be able to run, 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 and win this game. Maybe the Jets will provide some resistance here to make them do that. So, interesting. I do like the Jets in a minor upset. At least like them to cover that 5.5. I think it's a little bit too generous here in favor of the Saints. The next game we'll talk about in this segment, the second and last game, before we get into our final segment, Jaguars and Titans. The Titans are eight and a half point favorites coming back to play at home after their bye in week 13. Let's, let's start with them, shall we? Ryan Tannehill, I really like him in this game. I know the Jaguars' pass defense has been pretty good, but looks like Julio Jones may return. But he's been getting it done in different ways with his legs. Nick Westbrook-Akine has been a key target. He's been using the tight ends, spreading the ball around, also using the backs pretty well. So Ryan Tannehill's a sneaky play. A lot of people would say he's out of the top 12, but I think he has a chance to put up those type of numbers here with multiple touchdowns against the Jaguars. Uh, probably one at least through the air, one at least through the ground, I think, for Tannehill. And Julio Jones is going to be the key. If he comes back from that hamstring injury, we know A.J. Brown's on IR. He's not ready to come back. Julio was on IR, but he's eligible to be activated this week. Things have been 
pointing upwards, he can destroy this Jaguar secondary. If that hamstring is not an issue, and he gets Tyson Campbell and some of these uh, weaker corners here, especially with, with uh, Shaquille Griffin hurting for the Jaguars, I think really helps uh, the situation here for the Titans' uh, default number one receiver. So that's why they got Jones to make some plays opposite Brown, but now they might need him just to uh, kind of save this receiving core. So if there's Jones in there and there's other guys, I think Tannehill can put up the numbers. So Jones, I like sneaky DFS play this week. And I'm going to be conservative and say he's useful as a wide receiver three. That's all you can do with Jones. But uh, this matchup actually says potential for wide receiver two if he can dominate targets and being there without Brown. Now, in the backfield, I think you look at Dante Foreman as an RB2. I think you look at Dontrell Hilliard more as an RB2 slash flex in this they're just going to feed these guys quite a bit here to make up for Derrick Henry's loss. Those guys are well-rested. They settled on them as their committee, and I, I think they'll be effective. So I don't think you'll see Jeremy McNichols much in this game. They like Hilliard and his pass-catching abilities. Foreman is actually pretty good in that capacity as well. But good one-two punch in this backfield, and good for them to find something here with Darrington Evans hurt and McNichols not being a factor and Adrian Peterson being a disaster. So Titans are a very resourceful team. That's what we know about them. And I also love their defense this week. So a Dante Foreman Titans defense stack a little bit in DFS. Yeah, we'll take that here in this one because the Titans should be in full control. The Jaguars are just a lifeless blob of offense here. So on paper, this matchup is good for Trevor Lawrence, but every matchup has been good in some respects for Trevor Lawrence, but he hasn't had a multiple passing touchdown game since week one against the Texans. This is just atrocious, and it just seems to be going backwards. Lequan Treadwell was their leading receiver last week. This is They're doing everything they can to make Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault meaningless. It's just very frustrating, especially with DJ Chark out. It just has been downhill. The wheels have come off on this offense last week. Yeah, there was something else. Another shoe dropped that uh, James Robinson struggled early, got the, that fumble, then got benched, and they said it, tried to sell it as it was injury-related, but they put him back in the game. Carlos Hyde, uh, Urban Meyer's favorite running back from Ohio State. No, it's just awful. But I'm going to stick with James Robinson. I think Urban Meyer has to kind of uh, realize that uh, it was pretty ugly last week, so Herbs is going to get it done here with his futility and so I'm going to say James Robinson that's about it and I'm not going to have high expectations given Herb's fickleness here with Daryl Bevel it's really sad it's just wasting some offensive potential here really badly would I extend to James O'Shaughnessy here no it just I'm not feeling it I mean they just cannot use their offensive weapons well I think they need to clean it with Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer enough's enough here with Trevor Lawrence so yeah so Robinson's the only Jaguar still still after all these weeks in the most critical week here that you can trust uh, I wouldn't extend beyond that here and again Titans defense just smash it here as well all right we will get into the final few matchups here in the first half uh, including some uh, marquee ones Ravens Browns and Cowboys Washington there for you but I do have to tell you more about Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, even better than candy bar. That's called Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and of course, high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy, and you'll also get so many flavors here. It makes for a great stocking stuffer here, Built Bars. 
You'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie? Cherry or double chocolate? Cookies and cream or peanut butter or brownie? Bilt Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers for your last minute gifts. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Bilt Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or purse so you never know when you're going to need it. And because it's a season of peace and love, don't bring up your favorite Bilt Bar flavor at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they'll fight for it and things could get out of hand. So instead, take care of them, find out what their favorite Bilt Bar flavors are, and give them a little extra love this holiday season with something healthy that can get them on the go here during the holidays and beyond. Just go to Bilt.com and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. Get on Bilt Bar now and make someone's holiday a little bit brighter, even if it's your own here with Built Bars. All right, it's time to close the show. We've looked at the four matchups here from week 14. We'll look at three more there through the 1 p.m. Eastern time window. Then we'll focus on the later games all the way through Sunday night, Monday night football. We have some uh, big ones uh, there we'll talk about tomorrow, including Bills, Buccaneers, and Rams, Cardinals. A rather big one in the AFC North we'll talk about right now is the Ravens and Browns game. The Browns are two-and-a-half-point favorites, so just home field advantage barely there, 41-and-a-half. So, yeah, we somehow got lower from our 43-and-a-half, so that's not expecting a lot of offense. So Lamar Jackson, man, it's really hard to feel great about starting him. At least he's got the high running floor. That's kind of kept Lamar Jackson in the relevance as a back-end QB1. Remember when he was just lighting it up and he was the top quarterback nearly in fantasy right there with Tom Brady? Well, that's not happened, and... Part of it is Ravens' offensive line has been really bad in pass protection. They're still running the ball rather effectively, but the Browns have pretty good run defense. So let's quickly go over it. Lamar Jackson, more of a lower-end QB1 this week with the running. I think any time he can explode and go off, but it's hard to feel that way, especially with his low point total. So again, just temporary expectations for Lamar. He's still startable just because he can always get you 80 to... 90 to 100 rushing yards in a game to kind of save his numbers with one or two touchdowns. But in terms of that big, big spot, you're not going to get it here. So DFS can't trust Lamar there. Marquise Brown, he's been on fire, but uh, ever since Lamar has kind of gotten a slump, uh, Marquise Brown has been limited as well. So I think he's more of a wide receiver too on this matchup at the best case scenario. You can't really trust Rashad Bateman, especially the way they're using Sammy Watkins again all of a sudden. So that's been disappointing there. So Bateman not on the radar. Watkins not on the radar. So hope for the best for Marquise Brown. Hope for a little bit better for Mark Andrews there. They went for that two-point conversion that they couldn't quite convert there. Andrews was having a pretty good first half against the Steelers, but really quieted there in week 13 in the second half. So we need him to get going here this week of the Browns. It's better to attack them with tight ends than wide receivers as well. So Marquise Brown, I say he's more wide receiver two, three, borderline. Andrews every week, middle of the road, tight end one. If he scores, he can get to the top of the tight end ones here in this matchup. But yeah, Lamar, let's temper expectations there. Ravens defense here falling apart without Marlon Humphrey. So I don't know if I trust them too much. They could get some uh, mistake plays there from Baker Mayfield, but two and a half I think the Ravens are going to win this game, but going to do it with more grinding offense. Devonta Freeman comes in every week based on his volume now as an RB2 there at best. But, yep, it's pretty simple there with the Ravens based on this matchup. The Browns, uh, Baker Mayfield, you can't really play him. We know that uh, just based on things. But there are some decent matchups here for Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper. So 
I think there's a chance you could extract 215-2 from Mayfield, but let's hope you have better options. Unless you're really desperate, Mayfield is not the play here this week, uh, given his uh, results of season. But I like Jarvis Landry a lot. Marlon Humphrey's down for the season as well for the Ravens, so they've lost a lot. Marcus Peters was gone before the season. They lost their offensive backfield with uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Jimmy Smith has also been hurting. Anthony Averitt has been hurting. So that's an opportunity here for Landry and Hooper, as uh, the Ravens are also not good at safety without Deshaun Elliott back there either. So, yeah, it's going to be the simple Landry-Hooper game, I think. So Hooper has some value as a sneaky back-end tight end one. Potentially, if he can score a touchdown, Landry should do it by volume in this game. Don't expend to Donovan Peoples-Jones or anyone like that. So Landry Hooper going back to basics, and we know what the other part of the basics are for the Browns, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So Nick Chubb comes in an RB1, Kareem Hunt is an RB2. Simple there. That's how the Browns are going to try to win this game here against the Ravens. And Browns defense, I like a little bit better than the Ravens defense this particular week as well. I think it's going to be living up to low-scoring potential, so be wary of having too much exposure to this game except for the principles. Falcons and Panthers is the game we'll get to before we get to Cowboys and Washington. The Panthers are three-point home favorites. I actually kind of like the Falcons for the upset in this one. We'll see how it plays out. 43.5, and yet that number again is rearing its ugly head. Let's start with the Panthers. I actually kind of like Cam Newton this one. I kind of a little bit like Matt Ryan. I do like Cam Newton a little bit more in this game because of the running element and uh, just having DJ Moore having a great matchup against his Falcons secondary. So DJ Moore locked in. I think he's more of a wide receiver one this week. That's how good this matchup is. Robbie Anderson, hard to trust. He is pretty good in December. We know that. But, again, this may be a chance to get Anderson more involved after they fired their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Will he step up and have a bigger role? We'll have to see here this week. So I'll be wary with Anderson. He's hit or miss. He's a boomer bust play. He could have a big play and score, or he could totally disappear from the game plan. They just feed more, more and more and more and more. And the other thing that I like in this game, Chuba Hubbard. I mean, the Falcons got smashed all over the field in the running game as well as the passing game last week. So I think it's going to be a lot of keep it simple, a lot of more, a lot of Hubbard, a little bit of Amir Abdullah maybe out of the backfield, but Cam Newton running as well. So Cam's running helps Hubbard filling in for McCaffrey again for the rest of the season here. So, yeah, just be wary. Don't extend too much again. That's the key thing about Week 14. Don't try to get cute and try to get yourself in situations where you may get very limited return, where sometimes you just want to go for the basic pointage. So Hubbard should be solid as an RB2. Cam is a sneaky QB1 in deeper leagues. DJ Moore should have a really good game here. That's really why I like Cam Newton in this one to produce. He's not going to have to do much, and the Falcons matchup is great. And he typically plays well against Atlanta, either home or away. For the Falcons side of things, Matt Ryan, bit bit tough. The Panthers' pass defense can be tricky, so I would try to avoid Matt Ryan because he's very volatile. We don't want volatile players either. He could have a very good game. He could have a terrible game. We know that's been Matt Ryan's entire season here. I do like his receiver, though, Russell Gage. He's had two straight big games in a row. They kind of embraced him as the default number one with no Calvin Ridley here for the Falcons. So I like that development here for Gage. He's going to dominate targets. Let's hope that opens things up for Kyle Pitts. He's been disappointing of late. I think they're forcing him too much into a wide receiver-like role. You let him work as a tight end. This is where you can attack the Panthers here. So Kyle Pitts, I think, has a decent rebound game. He's still a back-end tight end one because this position doesn't have a lot here. So keep that in mind. But Gage comes in as a wide receiver two. I think with the way he's being used here for the Falcons, uh, at worst a wide receiver three and very playable this week. 
Cordero Patterson is playable all the time. He's more of an RB2 this week. You're not going to extend to Mike Davis. Don't play into the revenge game narrative too much. The former Panther, he was the guy that was replacing McCaffrey last year. He did score and look okay last week, but it's still the Cordell Patterson backfield. So, so just keep it simple with Patterson, Gage, and Pitts. Let's just go with the guys that we know have been producing for the Falcons. And I do like the Falcons just to kind of sneak away this game. One of those low-scoring, grinding games using the principles of Patterson and Pitts and Gage to try to upset the Panthers, who will lean a lot on Moore and Hubbard and Newton. Finally, we'll look at the game Cowboys and Washington football team. Don't forget, we'll have seven more games to talk about, so this is finally for this show and this segment here. The Cowboys are four-point road favorites here in the nation's capital. 47.5 is the over-under, so we're back up. This is the second highest total that we've talked about today behind the Raiders-Chiefs game. and We do have some massive point totals that we'll talk about uh, on tomorrow's show to break down uh, there with some of those marquee matchups closer to the end of the week. Here, I think this is going to be an overtype game because you look at the Cowboys and let's look at their matchups across the board. WFT is playing a lot better defense, but Montez Sweat could be out again. He's on the COVID protocol list. We know uh, there's no Chase Young. We've been waiting for Dak Prescott to go off. What we need is the other team to be competent in offense to help Dak Prescott throw for high volume. And I think it's going to happen here with Taylor Heineke. So let's go down the line here. Dak Prescott, solid QB1 this week. He can uh, find matchups to exploit in this Washington team. They could also be contained in the running game. So be wary of Ezekiel Elliott. A little bit of touchdown and volume dependent still. Hopefully he's a little bit healthier now that he's had a long week here to heal up. I don't like Tony Pollard. Washington has been pretty decent against the run, so I'm not going to extend beyond Elliott there in the running game, but let's look at Prescott, QB1. I think Amari Cooper finally will go off here and do damage. They are not very good at covering the slot, Washington football team, so that's great for CeeDee Lamb. I think Michael Gallup will also do some damage here. So really the odd person out here is Dalton Schultz. WFT is pretty decent against the tight end. We saw they only held Foster Moreau to one catch last week, so it's all about the wide receivers, all about Dak. Limited the returns on Elliott, but they'll get in the red zone a few times to help Elliott there, and you'll also be involved a little bit as a check down this week. So I think we'll see a healthy Zeke for the first time in several weeks, the extra rest here. So let's hope that's the case here, that uh, we'll see more of his regular. But still, you have to cap him at RB2 because of that. But going down the line, I think CeeDee Lamb is a wide receiver 1, Amari Cooper is a wide receiver 2, and Gallup is a wide receiver three this week. Dalton Schultz, just out of the top 12 for me. Tight end, if you need him, go ahead and play him, but not uh, recommended to me based on this matchup. All right, let's look at the other side. Taylor Heineke, great streamer this week. He looks really good. He's distributing the ball very well. He did lose Logan Thomas last week to a knee injury, so that's kind of a bummer, but I think this is a bounce-back game for Terry McLaurin, and these other receivers can make some noise here. Trayvon Diggs has been good in coverage, but McLaurin is a tough assignment for him. He's just versatile. He can get open all over the field. He's got good speed. He can get past him, so I like McLaurin to have a big bounce-back week, which will help the numbers of Taylor Heineke. He'll find other tight ends to throw to. He'll also use Antonio Gibson while in the backfield. We know Antonio Gibson really had great success against the Cowboys last season as a rookie. He's come on strong. We'll see about J.D. McKissick returning, but come on. We've seen the way Gibson has played all around the past two weeks. He's got to be the man. I think maybe they've been holding back a little bit with his usage because of that shin injury, but that does not seem to be as big of a factor here. So we'll see about McKissick and the concussion. Obviously, if he doesn't play... That's going to make you feel better about Gibson in his all-around role. He did have a receiving touchdown the second after Thomas for Heineke last week. 
but Gibson is in as an RB1. McLaurin is going to bounce back as a wide receiver one this week. Tight end's hard to trust anyone, especially if uh, Ricky Seals-Jones is not in there for Washington. You could look at a little DeAndre Carter this week. Uh, we'll see about Curtis Samuel, but Adam Humphreys has also been coming on, and the Cowboys can be a little exploitable in the slot, but I'm not going to extend too much. I think only for desperate go for DeAndre Carter, but I'm feeling really good about McLaurin and Gibson, the two principals now, really uh, dominating the touches and targets here for Heineke and helping him have a really good day in this one, as well as Heineke's legs. That's always nice. Prescott offers that a little bit, can pad the stats there, running on top of the passing. All right, so there you have it. There's a breakdown of the first seven games, the first half of the games on the Week 14 schedule for you in fantasy football. We will get to the back seven tomorrow there, and a lot of good stuff there, including the Bills-Buccaneers game, shootout between Josh Allen and Tom Brady. You got uh, Matthew Stafford versus Kyler Murray in that game. And then you got some really good matchups for the Seahawks against the Texans, the Chargers against the Giants, and a sneaky game that we're going to watch as well. 49ers-Bengals should have a lot of fantasy points as well. So a lot of good things to break down tomorrow. Thanks for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available to you on all platforms. For Locked on Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great day, and we'll see you to break down the rest of the games on Matchup Thursday.